there's a lot here, so just strap in. <laughs> the first kind of long section of this uh, gospel is filled with, you know, sort of dichotomous or perhaps better uh, rendered uh, polemical language, right? The whole point is to make an impression. Now, that doesn't mean that some of the specifics don't count, but there's an overarching theme that the Lord is getting at, and some of the particularities, you know, might change depending on the society you live in. For instance, if you work for Wells Fargo in the loan department, it's going to be really hard for you to write some loans at zero interest, right? Low, you know, loan money without expecting even repayment, that would be great for all of us. But it's not a practical reality. And that's not the particular point that Jesus is trying to get across, which isn't to say that some of the particulars are not there. The, the main point he's trying to get across is this, in this first section. My followers need to do better. There's more expected of you if you're a disciple of mine, says the Lord. So if you're just going to be kind of like everyone else, that's not good enough. The call, the demand of the gospel is much greater. So, you know, being kind to those who are kind to you, that's not hard, generally. Loving those who love you, even bad people do that. So, for the Christian, it's more. Love those who don't love you. Love and be kind to those who don't treat you well. Well, that's hard. That is, in fact, hard. It's really hard not to give it back. And often there's a certain satisfaction to it, too. There's a payoff. But the Lord is saying, look, it, it can't be like that for you. My followers need to be identified by their... Oh, magnanimity, that's a good word. Their great-heartedness, their great-heartedness. Aspire for more, dig deeper, be more virtuous, is what he's saying. And we get to the kind of the last section of this, and there's, there's so many misunderstandings about these uh, injunctions that I want to unpack a couple of them for you. The first one here is stop judging and you will not be judged. I mean, how many times, how many times has it been said when you, when you say, well, that's wrong. And somebody says, don't judge. That's not what he means. The very function of the conscience is to judge actions, whether they be good or whether they be evil. Things I've done, things I'm thinking about, you know, things in the future. The, the function of the conscience, the primary function of the conscience is to judge the action. And then from that, my own conscience looks at that action, you know, and let's say it was bad, which happens a lot. So, <laughs> whoops, that was bad. Now the function of conscience moves into, well, how guilty should I be for that? You know, for instance, we would, we would talk about this as Catholics, like, well, was it a venial sin or a mortal sin? And that has to do with freedom and will, freedom and knowledge, rather. How much freedom did I have? How much did I know? Did I know it was wrong, etc.? That's the judging we can't do for someone else. We can say that action is wrong, 
but we can't do the subjective judging of the guilt of the person. Only they and God can do that. Let me give you an example. Like, I was thinking about this with, uh, within academics, right? We would, we would look at, uh, I don't know, a couple of fourth graders who, who maybe shared some answers on a test, and we'd say, well, that isn't right. That's not, that's not how we do things. But we probably wouldn't be very harsh. And we would say, well, it's wrong, but we wouldn't be as harsh because of their age and their maturity and blah, blah, blah. But if somebody were studying for their master's degree and they were cheating, somebody else was doing their work, you know, taking their class for them or something, we'd say, wait a second. If you can't do the work, beat it. You, should, you don't deserve to be here. I mean, imagine laying on the operating table as they're putting the gas on your face, however it works, and uh, the guy comes in for, to pull out your heart. <laughs> I don't know anything about medicine. No, I know a little bit. Anyway, so he's gonna do the heart stuff. And you're like, hey, by the way, did you, how'd you do on this class? Like, you know, oh, you know what? I had a buddy do it for me. If somebody else took the, I got a D. It just as the, you know. Um, you know, there's a reason why as you get into the higher academic degrees, you get into your master's degrees and, and further on, that there's greater scrutiny, right? Because you want to have confidence that the person who actually studied and achieved that degree knows what they're talking about. They actually earned it. When I was in Rome, there were... Um, you're just not going to believe this. But when I was in Rome, there were all these priests and especially nuns who kept wanting me to do their homework. I, yeah, you're not going to believe it. So I'm in a class. I'm in Latin class. I'm taking Latin my first year there. And there's like 120 people in the class, famous Latinist. And, uh, <laughs> and his work was really hard. It was like, it was like a two-sided worksheet Two of them a week, they took three to four hours a piece. They're really hard. But people had to, I didn't have to actually take Latin, but he was so famous, I'm like, oh, I want to take Latin too. And, but there are other people who, who needed to take it for their requirement, and I had already had it. But he told them, don't cheat, don't cheat. And I remember the second week came around and all these nuns were gone. Because <laughs> he caught them, gone, bounced them. I know, it's scandalous, but, you know, get over it. <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, you look at that. Okay, the point is that I'm trying to say is that the reason subjectively we can't judge, I, I don't know the situation, you know, about their personal life. But, but you know, you would certainly judge a, a lesser situation and the guilt for that person differently, you know, than <laughs> these poor nuns, you know, um, or whomever. That's what it means to subjectively judge someone, which is the thing we can't do. We can look at something and we, we can say, yeah, you shouldn't cheat, no matter the age, and particularly you shouldn't cheat if you're in a master's program, et cetera. There's greater uh, rigor and, and expectation and, and confidence that people like, would expect to have. Um, but we cannot still judge the subjective guilt of the person. That's the distinction we need to remember. Now, I hate this saying, because I don't really like sayings, but, you know, hate the sinner, love, wait, hate the, 
hate the sin, love the sinner, hate, see, I don't even know it. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I mean, I don't know about the whole hate word, but the point is you can judge the sin, you can't judge the sinner. You just can't do it because we don't have access to the information to do it. The presumption then is that we can do it, which means we know their heart, we know their mind, we know their freedom, we know them as God knows them. That's why we can't do it. But the exterior action, we certainly can. Okay, next point. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Again, a difficult, just a really important concept to get across. Forgiveness does not mean I'm back in relationship. Forgiveness does not mean that I forgot how I was treated by someone. Forgiveness means I'm not going to hold it against them any longer. It actually means I'm going to unbind myself from them and, and from the action that they committed. Well, I don't want to forgive them because they, 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 they didn't say they're sorry. Forgiveness is not contingent on somebody saying they're sorry. Forgiveness is not contingent on them even knowing they hurt you. Forgiveness is something I do largely for myself. Holding on to resentment and unforgiveness. Here's a saying I do like. Holding on to resentment and unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Because we know this. We know the resentment just eats us up. The unforg- It eats us up and eats us up. I can't forgive. I can't forgive, Father. It's not about them. It's about, it's about us. It's about our heart letting it go. And if somebody has hurt us really badly, we would be foolish to go, get back in a relationship with them. If they've, hit, you know, if they've hurt us repeatedly, at a certain point, you have to say, enough, enough. I mean, I'll work on the forgiveness thing, but I'm not going to hang out anymore. You know, there's a certain insanity to this. That's okay. But we unbind ourselves from that resentment and that sort of attachment to the other person. Really, the, uh, what's another saying? Here's another one. I like this one too. Uh, one I don't like and two I like. I just totally contradicted myself. That person is living rent-free in your head. <laughs> when we're obsessed, you know, about the other person and, and how they've hurt us and et cetera, and we're just mulling it over and over and over. I know I'm not the only one who does that. And, you know, and then after a while, you're like, why am I giving them so much power? And then you're mad at them for that. <laughs> because we have to learn to let it go, you know? We have to let it go. And the letting it go brings us freedom. It's not about bringing them freedom. That's their problem. How they hurt you, how they offended you, it's their problem. It's between them and God. If they want to reach out to you, fine. But it's not really about us. That's not what forgiveness primarily is about. And then lastly, this idea of, you know, be merciful so that you will receive mercy. Give so that you will receive the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. The generosity we, we have with our forgiveness or our resources um, or helping those who are needy, um, with our mercy, with our gentleness toward each other, the greater we are toward others with that, the greater the Lord will be toward us. 
And you might be thinking, well, doesn't God want to be merciful with me anyway? Well, yes, he does. He wants to be merciful. But all of you who are parents or siblings or, you know, alive, know that when somebody is not being merciful with you, you may want to be merciful, but you know that you really can't be because they can't access mercy. It, it, they wouldn't even recognize it if you gave it. And so it is with God. Of course he wants to be merciful with us. Of course he wants to forgive us. Of course he wants to be crazy generous with us. But if a person doesn't you know, exhibit those traits or virtues themselves, even his mercy and forgiveness is lost on them. And so when we become people who are forgiving and merciful and generous and, you know, then that actually just disposes us, opens us up to all of these amazing gifts that God wants to give us. One of the first things I learned about this community when I came is just how welcoming we are. I was struck by it immediately. I, I, I couldn't remember the last time I had experienced it. And I, I really want you to know how proud I am to be your priest. I am so proud of this community that I get to be your priest because you are welcoming, you are merciful, you stand by each other even if you disagree. You know, we maintain peace, right? What, what, what brings us together is our Christianity and our love for Jesus. And there's so many things out there that divide us, right? Anytime that a culture starts to crumble, which is the situation we have now, it, it just crumbles, it just moves more into nothingness, nihilism. You know, you have this crumbling and decay. Culture becomes more and more tribal, because everybody's searching for truth and everybody wants to box in the truth. Here's my truth, here it is, I feel safe, I feel protected. And then, you know, we throw insults at each other. But it cannot be so here, and it's not. Because here, every one of us is welcome. Every single one of us, we know that we're sinners in need of mercy. We know that, that we lack so many things, and it's okay. Because it's okay that it's okay to God. It's the whole point of him becoming man and dying on the cross. And so to have a place where our identity as Christian, as those who love Jesus Christ, is what binds us together. That we don't have to allow that tribalism to come in here. And far from making ourselves just another tribe, our welcome, our welcoming behavior, our willingness to just say, come in. Well, I'm not even Catholic. Yeah, it's fine. Do you even believe in God? Not really. Come on in anyway. We have concerts and stuff, you know? I mean, there's fun stuff to do. It doesn't matter because we, we love all who come and everyone is welcome. And so I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being such a wonderful witness to me and to each other of what it really means to be Christian. Please stand.